Shachtan, an Indo Askelige. Time in Mon Irok the Yen of Chacht Erachor, Agasuligum, a Makan Shaw, Gurfeder Echor, Inuik Kart, Len of Winterfein. Skilti, Fis, Turmi. Tashe Dochretche, Nach Vetok, Ara, Igornamion, and Kestian Echo. Vien Talam again Omgrev, Orkar Nrachtum. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. On the latest episode of Real Health with me, Carl Henry, I'm delighted to be joined by international best-selling author Heman Sunim, telling us what to do when things don't go your way. When we are, you know, very young and have a first love and the first love did not work out, we feel as though this is the end of the world. However, we learn that is not the case. We move on. We find some other people. We begin to see that uh, when things don't go your way, uh, maybe it's not the end. As ever, we're available on all podcast platforms. Hello and welcome to the Left Wing Independent Dottie's Rugby Podcast. I'm Will Slattery, delighted to be joined in studio after a historic weekend by Luke Fitzgerald. Luke, hello. William, just got the voice back. Thank <laughs> God, just in time for the pod. Uh, I yeah, think some weekend. I think Brent Pope summed up it best when I, I read in his column on Monday that he said, sometimes as a pundit, you just have to eat some humble pie. I think that's particularly relevant given who I'm sitting across after your prediction. <laughs> Hmm. You're fo- you say he said fourteen points, two tries. Then you, you held back and said actually fifteen points. You really made turn more this, than two turn tries. Turn the screw with the extra <laughs> one point. You, you, you felt that there would be an even bigger hiding that they'd actually get. So yeah, yeah. Some op- an apology first, I think, is in order for the Irish rugby. You public. won't be getting one. You won't be getting one. I, you want it like I absolutely hate doing those things. But yeah, I, I thought they beat us well. I thought I, you know it's the first time I've ever seen like they could have could have lost to to England the week before as well. I mean that was that was a really tight one. If they had taken one of those kicks. And you could even argue the, I mean, obviously he was clearly offside and he was never onside, Courtney Laws, but um, yeah, I mean, it was, it was amazing. Like, I mean, presumably the gap is closed. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe they're tired. I don't know what it is, but um, there was no real reaction. Um, I thought Ireland were brilliant. I thought like they kind of suffocated them. They looked better. Um, and you know, maybe when you think about it, like when I was watching the game, like, so we we started off, we got a great first half and I was kind of thinking, Jesus, actually, like that was... Like they never really looked like troubling us, you know, and we looked like we had the athletes to actually kind of contain them. You know, we were competing really well in the physical exchanges, and I was kind of thinking, actually, when you think about our front row and how good it is, like how good are Kane Healy and Ty Furlong? Like how Ty Furlong isn't in. So you never thought you'd see the day where the Irish scrum would be mincing the All Black scrum. I used to always do it, but because they never, t- t- they used to get the thing out, just used to get the thing out, survive in there, get out was a small part of the game for them. Um, but, I mean, I've got to say, I, I just think the two lads are just... Un- and then you have Porter and, and Jack McGrath coming on. Kilcoyne well, can't get in. The whole pack. So, no, sorry, mm. everyone played well. Mm. There's no one on the team that didn't play well. But if you think about the tight exchanges and, like, where most of our... Like, a lot of our good carriers, carriers were by our front five. They were. Like, if you think about, you know, when we got momentum, like, Ty Furlong and Keane Healy were just out... 
They're outstanding. And the man we'll have on in a few minutes, James Ryan. Uh, look, he's, he's, he's just a stat machine, isn't he? Like, Do I tip to have an unbelievable game on the podcast You did, week? fair play. But look, I mean, he's been, he, like, have you seen him have a bad game? No, but I just feel like I didn't get the backing from my co-host that my I, point deserved. I, do you know what it was? I thought those guys, I, I suppose, you know, and uh, I thought what White, Whitelock and Retallick would get the better of them based on experience. Uh, because I think Retallick is an unbelievable rugby player as well. Uh, like alongside, I mean, that partnership, is it the mo- are they the most capped now ahead For of Bo- Backies yeah. and... No, I, I did no, the they're still behind Backies yeah, and Matfield. It was yeah, definitely the most capped in All Blacks history anyway. Pretty impressive yeah. duo, to be fair. So that was probably a reflection of that. I thought they might have the edge there. And I thought the front row might be a little bit tighter than it was. Um... But uh, we looked way like we were way better. We were better, like defensively. I mean, like even at the end when Luke McGrath kicked that one away, um, it's hard to make it interesting at the end. <laughs> yeah, but they but they never they never looked didn't look like scoring. You know, they got pressed and they got down the pitch, but they didn't look like scoring. You know, um, so yeah, look, it was it was an unbelievable performance. I honestly was I was we were just buzzing. I was sitting with Kev McLaughlin and Mike McCarthy, and we were just. All of us were roaring. Like it was all honestly, I haven't been that excited watching again. And like rugby doesn't really doesn't affect me. Like it doesn't, it doesn't do it for you. Uh, no, sorry. Obviously, <laughs> I love it, but like I'm watching it from a different you know kind of place now. I'm trying as best I can to be uh, <laughs> impartial, imp- impartial if possible. Um, but it was the first time like I've kind of and it was a, sorry the Wasp game a few weeks ago and the, for Leinster and this one. I've actually been excited to go watch rugby and not be. Well, kind I, of I was shocked. I turned on it. A rugby match on TV at the weekend, and you weren't on it. It must have been the first time in in years that you oh, hadn't yeah, been. Yeah, I'm a hard worker, Will. Uh, <laughs> no, look, I have to say, I was just buzzing. I couldn't have been happier to, you know, like some people are so tied up and being right all the time, and mm. yeah, it's great to have a bit of fun and have a go at seeing what the score will be. And I stand over what what I was saying before. Like my logic, I think, is fairly sound in that you know we've only beaten them or had only beaten them once in a hundred years, and the time before they didn't have a, they were on their fifth choice lock or whatever, so they didn't win a line out all day. Um, it's not very magnanimous. I thought you'd be a bit more groveling, a bit more magnanimous. No, I'd never be. No, I'm not going to grovel. No, look, <laughs> look it's uh, yeah, I made a call on a base on basically previous history, um, and I thought Ireland did really, like they were just great. So were really good. Having made that call before the game, and where you thought the two teams were, and having watched this game, I've like. I wouldn't want. I, we shouldn't be getting ahead of ourselves. Like we're probably the gap is closed. But I, would you go along with some of the talk that we're now peers or not even peers? But, ah, hang on, we're peers. Definitely. No, we're definitely peers. Yeah. But. It, like, I still feel like they are, we still have to reach their level consistently. Like, beating them once in the Aviva and once in Chicago when, as you said, there was a couple of injuries. I still feel we, we should. Uh, no, no, hang on, hang on. The gap is definitely closed. There's no doubt about that. No, not There's saying no, that. And, and you think of the one after Chicago where they got really lucky with a few decisions in terms of. Uh, you know, there should have been a red, there should have been a yellow red card at least. You know, for like the Fekatone was definitely yellow card. Did a few ones things that went their way in the return leg. And we had a few guys injured in fairly bad collisions. Uh, that I think you know, Jacob Piper's in the middle. He's just absolutely garbage as a referee. You know, um, I have to say, oh, I think the gap is definitely closed. I still thought they'd be two. I I didn't think two tries was a drubbing against the All Blacks. I, I knew fifteen that, points. You know that that was it was the extra point not, that really made it into a. Well, I just thought it, it turned it from a, a tough defeat into a a colossal. Pumping. That's not a colossal. Like 20 points, 30 points is a pumping by the All Blacks, and they deliver them regularly enough to teams. Um, yeah, look, I suppose they haven't. It looked like, look to me like they don't really. The kicking thing is actually going to be a problem for them, possibly against Ireland. Um, if they're not going to use it, uh, I think it looks like they might have to put Ben Smith at full back because otherwise they're. they're 
they're going to be under pressure dealing with Ireland's aerial threat. Um, but they also can't really attack Ireland in the air, which is actually going to be a problem for them because I think if you look at Ireland, they when they don't compete and they don't slow down the stuff in the tight exchange, they're all just fanning out and they're leaving one person in the backfield, you know, um, which is really hard to break down. Really hard, no matter how good you are. I mean, and I, and I think if you look at the teams as well, like they have Sonny Bill to come back in. They didn't play that badly on the weekend, by the way. Um, Ireland played really well and suffocated them. And I just think they didn't kick well. I mean, whenever they kicked in the first half and in different periods, uh, they actually they got lots of pay out of that. Um, Rory Best had a great day uh, throwing the ball. Obviously, Dev Toner makes a big difference. And you saw how it kind of capitulated when he went when himself and Pete O'Mahony went off, how difficult it was to actually get ball against them. Um, so it shows how his importance, you know, which is was good, great for him, I suppose. Um, but yeah, like for me, it looks like they might have a bit of an issue. And you look at the lines in the summer, held them scoreless. Now, I know the conditions were very poor that day, but the conditions weren't poor on the weekend. Um, and they just kind of didn't... They, I, I thought there was more opportunities for them to kick. I know it's not in their makeup really to be kicking all the time, but they used to do it an awful lot with Dan Carter. They used to kick a lot from their own half. I think the stats were actually quite telling in that. In that they well, were. Joe Schmidt, I remember, brought them up the last time at the World Cup when people were giving out about Ireland kicking a lot. He so said, well, actually... They actually kick more yeah, from their own half. More than anyone. Yeah, yeah. So, like, I wonder is there something in that? I think you need to keep that Irish defence honest. And if like if you, if they can slip an extra guy into the line or two guys into the line all the time, um, you know, it gives you great and the line speed they get. It makes it very, very difficult to break down. You're relying on kind of individual magic, you know, rather than concerted pressure. Uh, so it's something they have to consider. I think they'll learn. I'm, I'm annoyed that they learned this now. Mm. Uh, I feel like they might, if they could have got away with a win here, a tight one or something, that maybe they would have been like, ah, we're just the All Blacks, we'll just show up and do it. Yeah. Um, whereas I'm actually thinking like they've, they've loads they can learn from that one on the weekend. Whereas, you know, I, do, you know do you know what was kind of reassuring to me after the game when I was kind of thinking, that's interesting. Like Conor Murray will make a big difference, even though yeah. Marmion was really, really good in the weekend. Like fair play to the guys. To come back Henshaw will make a massive difference. Conceivably, Sean O'Brien could make a big difference to that Dan team Levy. as well. Dan Levy could make a big difference to that team as well. So, um, yeah, very interesting. A very, word very on interesting. The try. It looked like a Joe, like Joe Schmidt. Brilliant move by Schmidt. To it was. Plan. It looked like Ben Smith got got a little bit rushed into the line. He's kind of panicked. He actually should have been. If he had stayed, he committed really, really hard up up high. It looks like as well to me that uh, like once they went back the short side, that um, uh, Damien McKenzie looked like he pro like I don't know where he where he started off or whether he started too wide or whether he didn't read the play going back. Um, I mean, it did happen very, very quickly. But once they went back to short side and he, there was no Ben Smith, he should have been high tail across. And the open side winger, who would have been Ioni, should have been dropping back into the space that he left. So, yeah, it was a, like it was a great spot by Schmidt. Whether he saw that Damien McKenzie was going to be like is is maybe a little bit further over in the left hand side of the pitch in terms of a starting position, and then all of a sudden, like it's it's down to Ben Smith. So if they can isolate either, if he doesn't show early in the line, the chip is on. I think that's just Sockdale brilliance kind of yeah. spotting it, um, and Ben Smith kind of probably panicking a little bit when he sees the two on one, um, but if he sees who he's passing it to, it, it was a poor decision to get up that early. He should have waited. It reminded me of when you said if. Joe Schmidt was coaching the All Blacks if they had those kind of moves and that kind of weaponry in their arsenal I told you I'm teams apart they'd be a nightmare they'd yeah. be unbeatable seriously yeah. they'd be unbeatable like you just see the and even the, the one in the first half was a really lovely play he'd obviously spotted something with the short sides remember the mm. one where Gary Ringrose passed it back to Josh van der Fleer yeah. and I think it was Keith Earls with some unbelievable footwork I think it was Aaron Smith like he literally grabs <laughs> thin air um, but yeah look it was a great performance like I think they like and look the things they did like 
while it was yes it was a heroic performance in terms of effort but that's what you have to do against those guys they are the best in the world for a reason um, there was nothing that they did that was like bar the Stockdale piece of magic and brilliance like they can the repeat that they can really do that well. again and they yeah. have guys to come in who are better players like I think Henshaw's better than Aki um, and I think Murray is definitely better than Dan Marmion so like we'll get better last thing before we bring in our very special guest this week dealing with the pressure now Ireland is a target on their back they're now either world number two uh, and pushing for number one, or uh, as a few people are saying, they're probably climbed alongside the All Blacks. Traditionally, Irish rugby and Irish pe- teams in general don't deal well when they are the front runners when they're expected to deliver. You'd like to think that the way this team has progressed and what Joe Schmidt's done with them, that that's no longer the case with this team. But so how do you ex- expect them to deal with this hype going into 2019 where they're favoured to win another Grand Slam and they're roaring hot second favourites to maybe even get to a World Cup final? Well, I think you have to look at the key guys in the squad. You know, that's where that really comes in because there's only so much a coach can say to try and, you know, frighten you into... Think. But like, I think you have to be comfortable. If you look at, like, you know, I think that there's a big Leinster contingent in the squad. They're used to winning. They're, they've been expected to win and they've delivered. Um, if you look at the guy, the, the key guys, your Conor Murray's, your, you know, your Johnny Sexton's, your, um, we'll call it, you know... I think Rory Best as well is a key guy. But if you just think of the, his mentality, I obviously don't think, I still think Scanlon is a better player. He's been there the for three term. World Cup disasters. <laughs> yeah, but like, sorry, if you look at the key guys, like none of those guys are going to get ahead of themselves. Yeah. It's And I think they're all guys who, like, if you, especially Murray and Sexton, those guys deliver on their skill set all the time. That's always a thing where you're kind of saying, well, like, if you can deliver on those things, then it's kind of easy for the rest of the team. They just have to try and fit in and deliver physically. Um and remember their job roles here and there. So I actually feel like it's kind of easier for those guys to, to deliver because I feel like the key guys are really, they're in a great place to be, and, and they're also very physical. There's no weakness in the team defensively. Um, you know, uh, and, and I, like, sorry, sorry, the point, the point is that I think in the key areas of the pitch, and you look at the front five and, and actually how competitive it is, it keeps driving performances there. Like if you have one bad one, you know, you could argue Ty Furlong probably can have a few bad ones. It looks like Rory Best can have a few bad ones. But leaving that aside, everyone else is fairly replaceable. Um, you know, Ian Henderson's sitting on the bench there. Ty Byrne isn't even getting the 22 in the front five. Um, you look in the back row, two guys injured there, Shawnee and uh, Shawnee O'Brien and uh, Dan Levy. Jack Conan has definitely been at the best eight in the country so far this season. Standard to be fair. It was brilliant. Sorry, no, sorry, sorry. No, I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't inferring that. But, but, I think a lot of people were saying he was one of the guys who who needed a beat. He had a great game. He was brilliant, yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Look, look, you know, I was wrong. I, I, I was worried that a lot of the guys in key positions weren't playing well, like Rory Bess himself wasn't playing well. Robert Kearney was coming back from injury um, so, you know, but he, in fairness, he's delivered fairly consistently when he comes back from injury. In fairness, he's really, really good at that. He's a superb pro, but obviously very strong mentally as well. Um, so it wasn't really a concern on that. I was kind of thinking, oh, I wonder would it be, would be a great opportunity to see a young guy in there like Conway or Larmer. Um, and from an attack perspective, obviously, they offer a lot more. Um, um, but it looks to me like there's lots of guys to come back in that could really add to the team. Uh, and you've lots of different op- options around the place. You know, you've Robbie Henshaw out, but look at how, like Gary Ringrose was unbelievable on the weekend. His tackle count and his energy and just his general decision-making defensively were just unbelievable. He was so game for, uh, and up for the fight. Um, so look, I, to, to answer you in a very long-winded <laughs> way, like they can deliver on those things again and they have people that come in and the nucleus of the team are quite experienced, but they're also, they're good guys, you know, they don't get too far ahead of themselves. Johnny Will, Johnny Sexton, sorry, excuse me, has been 
one of the best players in the world for a very long period of time and delivers consistently and is very hungry all the time to keep delivering and demands high standards around him. He's the guy that's touching the game plan alongside Conor Murray the most. They have the biggest effect on the game plan. And I think those guys are the key parts of it. I think that's why Ireland have been very consistent. Like you look at the like the Irish team, bar the Scottish loss really, um, you know, the, the two there was two Six Nations in a row. Like that's unheard of. That's nearly a better that's nearly a better win than the Grand Slam. Uh, 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 sorry, it's the consistency. Will we like you're asking me about can Ireland deliver consistently? We've never been able to do it before. That for me, like I remember slagging. We I used to always slag Johnny Sexton and and, uh, and it was uh, Owen Redden about not having won a Grand Slam. Um, but they'll be targeting back to back Grand Slams now. Yeah, of course. Like you're, they want to win it every year. Mm. The, the key thing is that they win it. That like you want to build consistency. You want to keep winning. That's like look the Grand Slam is yeah. You want to win every match. But they'll be taking one game at a time. They want to win the thing. The key thing is that you're a winner and you keep breeding winners and you expect to win and you deliver when you're expected to win. And I think this that's what they're trying to build in the, in, in, uh, in the setup. And I think they're doing a great job. They are doing a great job. Like regardless of how that one went on the weekend, the consistency we've had has been fantastic. That was a once-off really. Um, but you need to be able to deliver a once-off when it's when it because both camps had built that one up fairly big, uh, to be a fairly big match and the, and I think they had built it up to be the biggest one of November, which is even more impressive from our perspective. So, um, can they deliver it again? I think they can. They need to understand or they need to. We needed to see that they could do it in a really once-off when they had their full team out. They did do that, and we have more guys to come back. So, um, I am I riding the wave? I probably am. I think I was interested to see how things panned out in the pack. We look better than them in the pack. We did. Like that's like that's the key thing against New Zealand. They're gonna have they have some magic at wide, but it looks like we have that too. Um and I think the pack squeezed them. They looks like they squeezed them to me, Will. Like I, I've never seen New Zealand pack in the open play look like they were kind of ineffectual, not able to get their backline momentum. Um and that was what was most encouraging to me. So yeah, I think well, we can do it. And just before we bring on James Ryan to talk about last weekend's big win over the All Blacks, a reminder that you can have your say and vote in the Irish Independent Sports Star of the Year Awards. Just go to www.independent.ie forward slash sports star voting to have your say. And there's a whole host of great prizes there. A trip to Old Trafford to watch Man United versus Liverpool in 2019. A VIP trip to Cheltenham. Tickets to All-Ireland Finals. So plenty of prizes there. So definitely go and vote there. And now, without further ado, I'm delighted to be joined in studio by Ireland and Leinster second row, James Ryan. James, thanks so much for coming in. Thanks for having me, lads. And uh, you've had a lot of memorable weekends over the course of 2018. Uh, where does that last one against the All Blacks rank up there? Yeah, it's definitely up there. Um, it was class, class uh, a game to be involved in. And I think in terms of an atmosphere, um, in my kind of short career so far, it's definitely for the best I've been involved in for that or Bilbao, really. Um, it's class. And I'm interested to know what the physical toll was because, uh, you know, we were talking about off air, there's this great clip of Keenan Healy coming off after 55 minutes and he just looks absolutely <laughs> shattered. Like, he emptied his tank there. Like, what was your body like afterwards? I'm sure there was, like, an emotional high, but physically you were probably hobbling around like an old man. <laughs> yeah, I was a bit. Um, you know, physically I, I was wrecked, but... I was you're on such a high after a win like that, um, it kind of doesn't really kick in for uh, a bit. So probably the next morning was was kind of a an eye opener. I was pretty pretty wrecked, um, but obviously you know when you when you get a result like that, you know it uh, kind of makes it all worth it. And would it have been the most physically tough game you've played in so far? Um, I think so. Yeah, you kind of forget how hard game how hard some games are. You know, you play a game and you're like 
Jeez, that was tough. But what about that French one? Um, or did you come off the bench in that one? In the Six Nations. Six Nations. No, I, mean, you I started that one. I started you? that one. Yeah, um, yeah, that would have been up there as well. But you kind of you kind of forget how hard each game is. But it's probably a good thing. Yeah, <laughs> if you're in the trenches, but, um, <laughs> you need to have one of those memories. It's like you know, women with kids, they never forget. Oh gosh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. they never remember. Sorry, how how, how painful childbirth is, yeah. and they always say that. <laughs> it's like front fivers when they're going into battle. They never forgot how hard it was the last time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you need to have exactly. that short memory. <laughs> yeah, well, no, it was. It's definitely up there. I, I can't remember. I can't remember any a memory again. It was just tough, yeah. Were there periods in it? So uh, you know, we always talked about uh, twenty thirteen, and I was interesting because I was watching the match with Mike McCarthy, who came on um, in twenty thirteen as well, and we both said that like I played thirty about thirty five minutes of it, um, and I remember thinking like I was that was like death. That was like death, honestly. So I came yeah. on the centre, and obviously the problem with fucking switching around in different positions, like so, I played most of my rugby on the wing. Probably wouldn't remember Jamesy at this stage now. It's fairly long ago, uh, <laughs> uh, but to be honest, <laughs> um, but yeah, like it was so so different in the centre. It's obviously way more attritional, you know. Whereas yeah. I think when you're in the pack, maybe it's just all attritional uh, to a certain extent. Definitely in the front five, anyway. But um, that was like death. And I remember Mike McCarthy said the same thing. He was like that, like that last phase of play, like we were just gone. <laughs> um, and Joe Schmidt actually adjusted the training off the back of it. We he was like, actually, do you know, we've been training like for a four minute play. You know, you the the, yeah. the drill um, that that he does. The, it's kind of like a continuous thing for four minutes, and you do maybe three, four sets. I don't know how many he does now, but it's it's really good. It's a great drill. Like, but you're knackered doing it, mm. um, and he kind of extended it out. So you lads are doing. You're getting the. You're getting the, the all the pain that from 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 our loss in 2013. Yeah. The extra minute on top because he was like, actually, we need to be training for for five minutes. That's yeah, what yeah. the best teams were able to to produce. So, um, did you feel that to, in a very long winded way? Did you feel that like there was long passages of play? You were like, Jesus, this is a pace I haven't played before. Um, yeah, there was definitely some passages in the first half um, when we were in there 22, and when we went down a couple of times, we came away with threes. Um, when we were going around the corner a lot, and I remember thinking, fuck, this is tough. Work. <laughs> <laughs> um, really tough work. And towards the end of the game as well, when we were defending for that last, whatever it was, uh, how many minutes, that was tough as well. But um, no, like you were so bollocks, but felt pretty confident as well that we were going to hold them out. Um, I think, you know, that guys showed some real good energy, and the guys that came off the bench as well kind of added, added a lot as well. Yeah, what was that final passage of play like from a player's perspective? Because I was in the stand and, you know, the fields of Atten Roy ringing around the mm -hmm. stadium. I don't know if you guys are even aware of that or if you're just in the zone and you're just thinking of defending, defending, defending. Because there was a touch of 2013 about it as they kind of methodically moved their way down. You couldn't help but have like Vietnam like flashbacks yeah. to, that, to that finale. <laughs> you can't help with the old blacks. Like if, if you even saw what they did in the rugby championship, mm. South Africa should have beaten them over in, in um, where was it, Loftus Firstfield? Loftus, yeah. yeah. Um, and New Zealand scored, I don't know how many points in the last 20 minutes and obviously scored the game winner right at the death. So you know how often they can do that. So, you know, we were kind of aware of that going in. Um, but, you know, once the whistle blows, as well as that kind of euphoria, there is that sense of relief too that, you know, they, they didn't steal it at the death that we held them out. My sense about watching you, James, and I've been I've just been really, really impressed along with everyone. I'm sure, you you know, you've been... You're probably ignoring all the plaudits, but my sense of it is that you you have what's made the transition easier for you as a young player, um, and why you're able to deliver 
um, you know, as each step in your career, you know, as, as you've gone up the levels. Uh, you seem like kind of a calm guy uh, and fairly, you know, like you seem to think your way around the pitch. Um, you know, I think you look like a very fit guy as well, which probably helps your thinking in those periods. Um, is that something that you practice or is it just a natural, like, would, would you agree with the statement, first of all, that you'd be fairly calm and able to think things through even when you're working really, really hard? That's my sense of you as a player. Is that something that you think, am I, am I touching on something um, that you feel is a strength for you? Yeah, I'd like to think I'd be uh, reasonably... Uh, cool-headed when I'm out there. I think certainly in the lead-up to the game, <coughs> I, I wouldn't say I'd be particularly cool-headed, especially kind of. I'd be worried if you were. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you know, in the build-up and the in the match day and all that. But once the game starts, um, you kind of get into your flow. Yeah, I'd be, I think I'd be reasonably calm. It's interesting you mentioned the build-up and how you maybe you wouldn't be as calm. Like, has yeah. there been moments over this year where? The enormity of the occasion in the build-up to it has kind of played in you. You're only 22 now, recently turned 22. You would have been at all the matches that Luke would have been playing in years ago for Leinster, the, 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 the glory days. Piss off, Will. <laughs> but have there been moments, I guess, even if you're just sitting down, like flipping through the match day programme beforehand, where it's kind of dawned on you about how big some of these occasions have been? Uh, yeah, there have been moments. Uh, like even when we were leaving the shower in there last Saturday. It's like, great, isn't it, the walk down? Unbelievable, yeah. And I've done it a few times with the Six Nations and and different games in November <coughs> last year. But uh, the noise coming out of this, the hotel, ugh, I haven't heard anything like it. It was it was unreal. And then we get onto the bus and you see the streets are lined with people and people are running out of the pubs to wave you on. There's definitely moments when you're like. Give me one of those points. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Give me one of those points. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God, I'd murder one of yeah. those points. <laughs> well, it's a funny one because obviously the All Blacks game was, you know, certainly from supporters, for the media, it was a huge deal being targeted from a long way out. But obviously you guys have a load of matches to play before that. So you can't really certainly talk about it openly. But it, mm. it's fair to say it, pr it probably was a game that you guys have been preparing for for a, a long way out. Um, yeah, I think, you know, it was having that shot at uh, the number, number one team. Um so it was definitely, you know, a fixture that we 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 targeted. But you know, people forget that you know the week prior we had to work very hard to get a good result there against Argentina too. So um, it was two massive kind of physically tough test testing games, as well as I suppose Italy as well in Chicago. Yeah, and just in terms of because like I, I haven't Will has made me eat humble pie really really badly, and every single person I've come across is. That's James, really he predicted a 15-point All Blacks win. I, I tried to talk him out of it, but yeah, he, he was having none of it. He just refused to believe well, that as I said, win the game. As I said in work, it was an emotional hedge. If they won, I feel great. <laughs> if they didn't, I was like, well, I was right, I told you so. Um, so it was exactly what, I, what that was. But yeah. look, I think the, 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 the feeling amongst you know uh, myself is that, and a lot of the people out there, is that the, there's a massive competition in the squad now. You know, and I, Look, I suppose my, my view on it was that I thought, oh, geez, I've never seen the All Blacks not you know, score a try which was just obviously against the Lions, but I think that's probably a one-off and it was poor conditions. The last time I think I can remember is the World Cup Final 95, I think. Um, it's only two times it's happened since. Is that it? Yeah. Is that it? Is, was I right that? defense coach wrote, yeah, it's the right, yeah. Yeah. right answer. Says the stato. Um, but I, I suppose I just didn't see that happen. I've never seen them really have two bad, like, well, two games in a row where they should, England could well have beaten them last week as well, you know. Mm. Um, what was the feeling like in the squad going in? Was there, was there like a lot of confidence? I know you, were, were you very... Joke seems to be a guy who's been able to get the teams very, very process focused. But amongst the player group, what was your sense of it? Was there like a nervousness? Was there a confidence? Um, because I suppose from what we're looking at, we were just talking about it there. 
like there seems to be like the the, the, the ability to I think deliver and I, I'm consistently which is something that I think in, in the Irish team the last while is has really impressed me that has to come with a certain level of confidence you know you have to have, like I don't think you can always be nervous before every game to deliver that yeah. uh, or to deliver on what you're trying to deliver in the games because I feel like there's kind of a bit of a you know there's a, there's a, What's the the variance between the two, like between good and bad? That that kind of happens with the nervousness. Whereas with the confidence side, I always think those teams are able to deliver more consistently. Do you, do you, do you feel the confidence in the squad is basically in a long yeah, way? Yeah. Do you feel it? Like, are they confident going to those tough games? Yeah, I think we were confident going in, into it. Um, we were obviously wary of 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 New Zealand and how good they are. But um, yeah, confidence is definitely something that we I think we had coming into the into the week. But Probably excitement would be the biggest emotion of it all. I felt uh, guys were just excited to, um, you know, at the opportunity really to quite have a, have a crack. And you know, those games don't come out that often, so um, that was kind of the striking thing for me, really. Yeah, it's a funny one about the most recent game, and and it put I guess a little bit of extra pressure on you because there was a lot of people talking about the Chicago game and saying, ah, yeah, but your Brody Retallick and Sam Oyler <laughs> like weren't playing in that game, so there was me? A lot of, yeah, <laughs> so there was a lot of emphasis on Jesus. Will just leave me alone. So you, I'm yeah. already dead. Getting I mean, you won. <laughs> you're right. Jesus. Well, there was a lot of emphasis on those, you know, that world class pairing being back and what that could mean for the All Blacks, and obviously it was your first time playing them too. Like, how much of an emphasis in your build up? Did you put on going head to head with that pairing? Did you try to think about your own game, or were you really kind of focusing on ways you could attack them? Um, it kind of all uh, kind of fed into it. I wasn't kind of overly analysing, uh, you know, what Whitelock and Retallick, uh were going to do, but I was certainly aware of you know their strengths and and things like that. But <clears throat> you know, New Zealand have so many strengths in in that team, so you know, literally. Talent is sprinkled everywhere. They got you know Bowden Barrett, Tim McKenzie, uh, Artie Sevilla, uh, Kieran Reid. So I think if you look too much at, at one or two guys, you know you might be caught out a bit. So you know I I was kind of aware of of you know the main players and in their team, and then as well as that, was kind of looking at you know what what we needed to do as well. So do you generally you wouldn't measure yourself head to head versus your direct opponent like you know obviously you played some world class second rows this year like Maro Otoje a few minutes against even Etzebel I think in 2017 as well you know to, would you, you wouldn't generally then kind of say I you're, yeah would you would you benchmark yourself against that specific opponent or the whole no, team I'd be, yeah. yeah it'd be more the kind of the, the be more my own game really um, that's what I'd be measuring myself on if I'm if I'm happy with that and, and obviously the collective outcome as opposed to you know my opposite number. And do you have a list of numbers that you look at, you know, carries, tackles, yards made? Because you know, there's a lot of been made of some of the big kind of tallies you've been putting up. Do you go back after a game and look at it and say, oh, that was, you know, higher than I, I'd hoped, or oh, that's a bit low? Don't lie, I know. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, certainly, like, you know, the more involvements you can have in a game, kind of the the more influence and you can have. So, uh, yeah, I'd, they'd be one of the things I'd be looking at after a game, yeah, definitely. You have any kind of uh, you know? It's it's interesting. I suppose from from my time in camp when I first started, we I think it was just when the data started coming into rugby, uh, you know, all the Kitman Labs yeah. and all that kind of stuff. So we were trying to figure out what was important, you know. And it used to be always 
like we used to come in on the Monday and like who had the, the, like the highest running meters and like Jesus look at how far your man ran and you look back at the game and it was like Jesus he was crap though <laughs> you know he was <laughs> running around like a headless chicken yeah, yeah, yeah. or when everyone else is taking a break he must have been doing a bit of jogging away in the corner whatever it was but like it is funny how much the data points that you're kind of figuring out oh yeah look that's that's actually important that we yeah. measure that um just to, I mean, we're going to come on away because we come back to New Zealand a bit at the end and maybe have a little look forward as well. Um, but just what are you looking at when you're looking at the data points? Because I, I look, I know the numbers you're putting up are really, really good. But for you to have a good game, what's the first thing you're looking at? Um, yeah, it wouldn't be kind of meters run and, and collision load and all that kind of data. Mm. I'd kind of have to get, I'd have to watch it first to get kind of a, an idea of the context and, and all that. But um, I suppose a number of tackles kind of number of positive rook involvements, um, number of positive carries, mm. they'd be kind of what I'd be looking at really. And in terms of, say, so that the tackle stats are what have really, I suppose, uh, jumped out at me. And, you, you know, a lot of locks usually, like generally have fairly good tackle stats anyway because you're using good positions to be, mm. you know, you're in tight places, but you seem to have a lot of positive ones. I'm always really impressed by that. Um like have you worked a lot on the technique? It's it's funny. Like I I look at I look at a lot of young guys that come in. They can kind of be especially in second row. Um, they have a lot of like because I think your best rugby is going to be ahead of you as long as you look after all your joints and all that kind of stuff. Which I'm sure you're very you look like a very diligent trainer. I heard you are. Um, but uh, I've been doing my background uh, checks <laughs> on you. But no, I I just think you know have you done a lot of work in the technique, Pete? That's the last thing that comes to guys that come out of setups that have you know you've have you have a good grounding. Lots of good players coming coming in from Michaels, but. There's still a big gap between you know playing for Ireland and playing you know for even for Leinster. You seem to have made the jump up very good because I think your technique's very good. Do you work a lot on it? Um, yeah, I do a bit. We do a lot of and a lot a lot of work at uh, at Leinster with in terms of um, you know being able to spot gaps and and holes early and then being able to run run lines early and and then in terms of you know the contact work, um, you know being able to keep your feet alive and you know fight for that extra. You know, one, two, three inches. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it, it would it would it would be an area that I'd be I'd be kind of I'd be working on. Yeah, and in terms of the ta just in terms of the tackling itself, that's the yeah. thing that's really stood out to me because I think lots of young young guys they get their feet fairly far away from the contact. Now that you can yeah. get away with a bit of that as a, as a second row because usually you're taller, longer arms, etc. And the tackling isn't always in the in the wider spaces. But you look like you get your feet in in right. Like who, who's working on that stuff? Which are you? Is Stuart good on that on the technique piece? Yeah, but doing a bit of work with Hugh uh, Hugh Hogan. Oh, sorry, that. Hugh. Yeah, yeah, apologies, um, yeah. yeah. So sometimes I kind of had a tendency the last kind of whatever five six months to I'd be chopping a lot, but I'd be kind of going in and and kind of like a headless chicken, and I'd be kind of just flying in, and I wouldn't be keeping my feet alive. And while it'd be effective, um, it, it kind of exposed my head a bit. Um, you know, I ended up getting one or two concussions, and then as well as that, you know, if if I kept my feet alive. Or if I keep my field alive, I can make much more dominant tackle because I can get that leg drive and, mm -hmm. and all that. So, um, uh, yeah, there's been kind of a small shift in, in kind of that mindset, uh, you know, in terms of instead of, you know, you're going to need to chop sometimes, but instead of kind of that being your first, um, you know, priority, being able to make, you know, more dominant tackles uh, by keeping your feet alive and that, that leg drive. And just to go back at your own story for a moment, obviously you, you missed a full season up pretty much with a, with a nasty hamstring injury. Like, as well as obviously rehabbing the injury, was there stuff you worked on over that year to allow yourself, because you pretty much hit the ground running straight away then when you did break into the senior team, it was pretty seamless. But having not played almost any rugby, what did you work on besides the injury during that year to, to be able to make that step up, do you think? Um, to be honest, the main 
what probably what I got out, out of that most was just the S and C work I did. I spent a lot of time in the gym and and I, I suppose when I got running again out in the pitch, getting kind of a lot of conditioning done. So that would be the main bit and you know, Killing Reardon, who was the academy physio or academy S and C coach at the time, he's now one of the senior S and C coaches, uh, looked after me really well. And so did Fergal Karen, you know Fergie, don't you? I know Fergie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I was living with Fergie basically. He was, uh, <laughs> the re he was our rehab specialist. Yeah, there was a few yeah. guys in there. He was my rehab well. coach, and <laughs> he was class as well. Yeah. Um, so, you they're know, great opportunities. Uh, yeah, you they have are, to. Yeah, do yeah. you do you like uh, the mindset when you're injured? Will like you have to see it as an opportunity. You know, um, if you don't, I think it become it can become a very kind of dark hole for you. Mm -hmm. um, but like as you say. And it's funny, like in the grand scheme of things, you know, and now we're talking about it and you've had a great season yeah. last year and you're, you look like you're continuing through that, but they're a great opportunity for yeah, you, especially like as a young player. How good you was Josh when he, when he came back? Unbelievable, but he looks, like, he looks like he's a little bit stronger, yeah. looks like yeah. he's put on a bit more, you know, and that, that's what happens when you obviously you get the chance. And Robbie Jim, Henshaw at the end of last season came back in great form. But, yeah, but yeah. Robbie's been like that for, Robbie's a bit more further down the track than, than, than the two, well, maybe not so much Josh, but definitely than yourself. It, when I was looking at your frame coming in, like we all, like I think we all knew you were coming for a bit, but I was thinking it's going to take him a while to get the the, the, the weight, especially if you're on the tight head side in the yeah, scrum. Yeah. But it looks to me like that actually really benefited you, and it looks like you you're, you obviously have a good mindset for the training. You like the training, um, but I look it looks to me like that made a big difference to you because you look like you're well able to compete in the in the in the the really physical stuff. But that yeah, comes with yeah. hard work in the gym. It looks like it had a big impact on you, does it? Yeah, yeah, I think it did. Um, yeah, as I said, I think all that gym work. Kind of ended up being, you know, a blessing in disguise in a way, uh, because you know when I when I eventually was able to to get back playing, you know, I had that extra few muscles of mus few kgs of muscle, and and I was definitely in better shape than than I would have been, you know, had I not been injured. So yeah, it was probably a silver lining. And, and who you hang around with in the gym? Who's your who are you lifting with? Who's the who's um, the partner? Can't be there's Dev. A, there's a few now. <laughs> <laughs> Dev is unbelievable, man. Honestly, like he's still a freak of an athlete. Like never injured, but like he's in the gym. He's, he's an absolute he, weed. He's old, <laughs> well, in the gym, he might be, but when he's in the training paddock, oh, he's, he's a beast. Yeah, he's hitting yeah. unbelievable meters the whole time. Oh, he's uh, so fit. He's unbelievably so fit. fit. Yeah, yeah, never, yeah, never yeah. stops. But um, um, you would leave you a bit. I see yourself the two bash brothers. You, I saw you in that thing for uh, Gloxy. <laughs> oh, leave it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Are you yeah. lifting with him in the gym? He's uh, lifting a bit. Yeah. Yeah, I'd, I'd be living with him a bit and, and Fardo as well. Oh, Fardo, he's yeah. a great man. Sorry, Scott Fardo. Yeah. He's a, he, we obviously we had him on the yeah. the live show, but he he seems to have been a great influence on a lot of the young guys. And oftentimes, you know, you're a bit of a product of, of the environment you come mm. into. Um, I think you just you seem to time it. I mean, whatever. You no, know, it's obviously a bit of luck involved in that. But um, you know, I came into a great setup. All your Dricos and your Shaggies and all yeah. these guys, um, and and Gordon Darcy, whoever you you could pick that that whole backline were were brilliant for me to come in. Mm. And Felipe, obviously, I know Felipe yeah. a little bit differently to you know him now. He's obviously. <laughs> Uh, he's hair doctor there to yeah. me. He'll always be hair doctor. But the, <laughs> um, you know, you seem to have come into a great environment. You know, the coaching staff very settled. Leo Cullen, of course, at, at the you know at the helm, couldn't be a better position for someone like yourself to be learning off him. Um, but someone like Fardy seems to have had a massive influence on the younger guys. Um, and it's great to hear that you've obviously paired up with him a little bit. Has he been a big influence on you? Yeah, he has. I've, I've learned loads off Fardy. And, you know, on on the pitch, obviously, but, like, even off the pitch, he's a great bloke and, like, he's hilarious. Um, he's always, like, taking the piss and, 
he gives it, but we definitely give back at him. So. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, he's he's one of the one of the main personalities I think in the squad at the moment. And is Nugget still the sheriff in the dressing room, or is he quieting down in his old age? People's champ. The, pe- <laughs> <laughs> the people's champ. Uh, um, yeah, he'd be one of the sheriffs now. Yeah. Uh, what about McFadden? He's himself. And, are they still bullying everyone? The two of them. Um, are they pulling everyone? Are they too old to be bullying anyone? Yeah, listen. No, no, no the vote. Nugget keeps me on my toes anyway. They vote too. Just to go back to the end of that injury season, you talk about you know you used to put maybe put on a bit of size and there was a silver lining because obviously you got caught into the Ireland squad at the at the end of that campaign. You hadn't even played for Leinster yet. Well, like, did you know that was going to be on the cards? Had, had Joe Schmidt rang you up and you know introduced himself or, or chatted to you about it, or was it just out of the blue? Um, no. It, well, it was it was a small bit out of the blue. It, I, I mean, I was kind of coming towards the tail end of of my rehab and and. Um, I, I, I can't really remember what exactly happened but somebody told me at Leinster that there was an opportunity that I, potentially that I could have been in, involved in the in the summer tour and that was kind of it and then I remember getting an email saying that she'd been included in the extended squad um, so then I knew it was obviously a strong possibility and I was sent to play a couple of matches I played with Munster Development and Play, um, with the, play with Munster? Yeah. Play with the Stiags? Yeah. You? Jesus, you traitor. Last week, last week you literally stop. said how different my career would have been had I played for Munster. Keep going with the podcast. You're okay. losing the run of yourself. Too many opportunities <laughs> I'm presenting you with. Get out of it. We're sitting on money messing. So that's when you... you so from you, then on, <laughs> I knew I was in with a, with a crack. And then, uh, and then I got the eventual email saying that you'd been included in the summer squad. Um yeah, I, I read an interview you gave when you said you went ape shit. You went crazy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah it was. You're trying to play it cool. Yeah, don't be too, to, don't be too cool, man. I'm trying to play it cool now, but that's the quotes <laughs> I read were not. No, yeah, that was unbelievable. Uh, I was, it was, I was like, on did my you do phone. the shaggy? Did you do the the one of those ones like the thin red line piece? No, to be honest, shaggy after 2009. The oh, it's one of the greats. Sorry, you probably know. You know the footage of Shaggy on Sky Sports where he's doing this one, like he just does yeah, that yeah. one and nine. He got slagged for for years. It's like thin red lines. But like, I mean, those are amazing moments. I think as well, it ties in to, to the earlier point, like getting that exposure to Joe Schmidt. Like what was that first experience like in camp? I, I, I remember his first, my first experience with him in Leinster and all the, the Munster lads, Ulster lads, remember their first experience with him in, in, in Irish camp. What was it like? Did you, I mean, it's such a learning experience, I thought anyway. Yeah, it was. It was, it was class. Deep end, um, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. Uh, I was obviously a bit nervous going in, but once I kind of got in there and got a, got a couple of sessions on the pitch on my belt, and like you kind of get into a flow then, and um, obviously going on to the US, you know, that was the first game. I got my first cap um, in New Jersey, unbelievable experience. And then we flew to Japan, which is so the US and Japan were two pretty cool places to be going for my first Definitely, tour. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was it was an unbelievable tour. Yeah, I loved it. One funny thing, I guess, from your perspective, given what age you are, is that like when Luke first met Joe Schmidt, like no one really knew much about him up in up in like Leinster or Ireland. Like he hadn't really made his name as a coach for us. Whereas you first meet him, his reputation very much precedes him. He's won all the Heineken Cups, all the Six Nations. Like you grew up as a Leinster and Ireland fan. Like is there a bit of an intimidation factor at all? Like that you're coming in with such a big name there as the coach, or are you, is it just another coach for you? Um. Like, is there you no? Know, obviously, you respect him so much, and for what he's achieved, and, and everything, and, and all that. So, um, yeah. 
tough hard, one. Hard one to answer. Do you respect your Corey? Like, look, he's he's kind of guy. Like, I suppose you come up in an era where, <clears throat> and it's really interesting because, like, I suppose I would have been playing with that group yeah. of guys you would have been watching as a teenager. And I suppose mm. you were you're you're from a rugby mad family, of course. All the brothers were your brother. There was a one of your brothers had a very unfortunate injury, didn't he? Of course, Mark. Yeah, yeah. Mark. Yeah, but there was they were all brilliant rugby players, weren't they? I remember your, my dad. Yeah, were, our, our yeah, dad. Sorry, well, Dave, David still David's mm. playing at the moment. He's he's in the Irish under twenties. And he's playing rugby with UCD, um, so he's going. What really position well. is he? Uh, twelve. Oh, he's twelve. Yeah. Is he? Um, but, but they were all. You guys were always. I remember coming up through schools. It was always the Ryan's lads. They're going to be. I remember my dad because my our, our, again our dads would be pally enough, and he was saying, "Geez, those Ryan's lads are apparently they're meant to be brilliant," you know. Um, and uh, that was my impression of my old man. They're pretty weak, but uh, yeah, it's like it's. I suppose you've been coming up for a long time, but you would have been watching. I suppose as rugby mad lads. Uh, rugby mad family all the Leinster team mm. so again like is it was it kind of uh, I remember because it was a surreal enough moment for me coming in I remember my first summer uh, coming out of school and I remember coming in and all the rugby like the Irish guys had been maybe a little bit later back because they were away on tour um, but when they came into training first I was like Jesus like there's fucking there's there's Draco, like, oh my yeah. God, you know what I mean? Yeah. Was it a bit like that with Joe Schmidt or with like uh, Jamie, of course, would have been there? Was, was it a bit like that when you came in? Yeah, it was definitely. Um, when you're like, I remember playing with like Johnny, like Sexton oh, yeah. and uh, and Church and um, Issa, all those lads, like the whole lot of them. Yeah. With the first kind of few months, you kind of have drop to. The yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're like that, but also you're just like, you have to paint yourself. It was, yeah, it was class. Yeah. Um, it was very cool, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, it's, it is funny. Probably the first the first time Johnny goes through you for for a shortcut for missing a play, it, you're like, that actually, <laughs> fucking asshole. Yeah. Anomaly wears off pretty quick. Wears pretty <laughs> quick. To be honest, yeah. I, don't, I, I don't get too much because I'm I'm in the second row, so listen, it's usually just around the corner for me. But <laughs> just I the think the, the backs get a higher time. <laughs> and uh, when we're yeah. I guess your development has seemed to be quite seamless in terms of slotting mm. in at Leinster and then at Ireland. What has been the toughest... I guess experience of your professional career so far, because it does seem that have gone quite, quite seamlessly for you. But I'm sure there's been a few instances where you found, Jesus, it's actually quite tough. It's, it's definitely not easy. Uh, like it hasn't, it hasn't been seamless. Mm -hmm. um, Talk just about the injury. Actually, the injury must have because that was a serious enough injury. I remember there was yeah. lots of chat, a lot of people talking garbage about, uh, you know, that being possibly your career being over and all this kind of stuff. Um, some some in, in this building here actually, <laughs> um. But uh, you know, like talk to us about that because that's a big yeah. like early on in your career it was a serious injury you know and you've come back <clears> really really strong from it. But um, like talk to us a little bit about that because that's a that's a tough challenge. I had lots of those challenges in my career, um, and you've come back stronger. So obviously mentally strong. But what did you, what were the kind of what did you go through initially in your initial thoughts on it? You know, yeah, that was pretty tough at the time because obviously it was a serious injury. But <clears throat> the year before had been such a Unbelievable year with the with the under twenties, my first time and you know playing in the Six Nations and beating we, the All Blacks as well. We, yeah, we beat uh, New Zealand. We you know went to the World Championships, got to the final. Didn't end the way we we would have wanted, but like it was it was a class year. Um, really exciting stuff. So kind of to go from that then to the following year, the kind of the, the beginning of the season, to not being able to play at all, it was definitely uh, it definitely changed things a bit. So that probably made it a bit more. Uh, a bit more difficult, but um, yeah. Once you kind of once the rehab started and I was in the gym, um, I like I kind of just got on with it because you know 
I probably would have been playing, you know, maybe I could have played, you know, a few caps, but it wasn't going to be the biggest year for me anyway. Um, mm-hmm. So, do are you? So are you kind of are you one of these people that writes down goals? Like so, when you when you get the injury, I, it was great. It was a great tool that I had. I used to just you know say, all right, calm down a second here. Let's let's figure this thing and let's get it down on paper. Have a plan because it's funny when you have a plan how how you can kind of relax how you can say, all right, well look, that makes sense to me. I think if I do those things, I can get back. Are you one of those kind of people? Are you? Would you have a process that you go through when you have a setback? Um, yeah, I think I would. Um, I think I would. I kind of targeted, you know, uh, I targeted getting back a bit earlier than I actually did end up getting back um, and all that kind of thing. And then I targeted, you know, being able to put on two or three kgs of muscle and increase my body weight. Um, and then obviously getting capped the following year with Leinster and all that. Um, but I wouldn't be kind of overly obsessive about it either uh, if that's that's not what I've heard I'm only messing I'm only messing <laughs> but like in terms of I was like so like yeah. was there a rehab group that you were with was it like what what like so when you go on the journey sometimes you're on your own I had a few ones where I was completely on my own for like nine months it was a disaster yeah. but you hear some people and there's a nice little rehab group and they get into a routine you know yeah. you, you might be able to eat together and it's it's easy to kind of keep your spirits up did you have a bit of that or were you on your Todd? to be honest it was just myself and Ferg um, oh Ferg no better man yeah, but switch, yeah. exactly Ferg was was class cause great trainer as well some days you come in and you just like it might feel like shit mm. and he's he's a great knack of, of kind of getting your spirits up again isn't he he's the f- well he's obviously one of the funniest blokes so I don't know if he's yeah. gotten more serious when, since I left but he is yeah, just the yeah, best yeah. crack yeah. of all time but Ferg as well is like a lunatic of a trainer so I mean he'd be great for that as well yeah, you know, obviously was, yeah. the second rows in that are you know renowned you have to have yeah. a big engine but and it was killer as well Killing oh, Reardon Killing so. Reardon were you no, doing the boxing was, with him um, did I do boxing with him so he's gone pro now. I yeah. did do a few. Yeah. I, I don't think I was boxing him. Thank God. Thank God, God yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I was doing all sorts of boxing circuits and all that. Yeah, geez, mm. I remember there were there was definitely a few circuits that... McFadden's feisty as well. Sick. He's such a competitor as well. Like He wants Ferg, to win yeah, every single thing he's Ferg's doing. A beast, yeah. like. He is a beast as well, isn't he? Yeah. But like they're the guys, I suppose. And, and, and when you look at people you're chasing and training, so we talked about Scott Fardy and you know, obviously Dev is obviously great in, in the training. It's obviously yeah. pretty hard for a guy who's 6'10 or 6'11, whatever he is, to be pretty you know effective in the gym. He just kind of manages himself and keeps himself fit. Um, and he's done an unbelievable job of that. But uh, like, who do you look at when you're training? Who do you say, God, I've got to be... I gotta get him. That's that's the who's, who's got a target on their back when you're training. Um, Anyone in Irish camp even? A target on their back or somebody that I'm like, geez, he's good. Both. Uh, but, uh, it's, well, okay. The two I, I feel like the two go hand in hand because I always used to be saying, Jesus, if I can keep up with Ferg or if I'm close to Ferg, uh, we're quite different. Like he has an unbelievable engine. I would have been more, but I said if I, I know I'm training well, if I can keep up with Ferg. Yeah, you know who are I think Ed and Brian Byrne are. Two of the best trainers I've come across. Really? Yeah. But um, they've had a few tough injuries in that as well. So they're obviously, I mean, they must be great. Yeah, they've they come back so well, well this season. And especially, I mean, yeah. I thought my injury was bad. I mean, he was around 13, with 14 them. months was he yeah. with that, or maybe uh, more, 18. Longer. Was it? 18, was it? Yeah, but I think for different injuries, it was like two years. The knee thing, yeah. Um, yeah but yeah. they're always just <laughs> training unbelievably well. And hmm. so they'd be kind of two guys. And then I suppose in the gym, if you're anyway near, Porter <laughs> in terms of what he's lifting Jesus. he seems to be chewing you're up, up yeah. Yeah. is he better than Churchy um, 
Oh, he'd hate this now. This is big, <laughs> that's actually the toughest question of the night. Okay, well, Emma Churchy is the bash for us definitely. He's better than Churchy with, with, the, with the legs, with the lower limbs. Is he? But is he? Yeah, he is. Yeah, I think so. No way. Yeah, I yeah. can't believe that. Yeah. Oh, I never thought I'd see that. Yeah, I saw him. Yeah. I remember seeing him when I was finishing up. I remember I seeing he brought Porter. Church's record. For the bench, Jesus. for the squats, excuse me, yeah. But I remember seeing him with still the, has the edge over him up with the with the chest and with the upper body. I think <laughs> was he? Yeah, in the bench press. Jesus, that's mad, isn't it? Amazing when when you consider Church has come back from that neck injury. Like yeah. you want, like honestly, I grew, I went all the way up well with which with, with Keane Healy. Like that's the the Shea Pale or the Church as he calls himself. Um, <laughs> but it, uh, Churchy, like when we were, oh, he was in my schools year. You know, he is just one of the most incredible athletes yeah, I've yeah, ever yeah. come in. His balance, like, he's just for, and his flexibility. Yeah, I he's mean, mad flexible. He's a freak, yeah. isn't he? Like, he's, I mean, I, I mean, to see someone being able to lift more weights, now, I'm just astounded <laughs> by it, but, um, that's amazing. Like, it is funny, and it, it's funny when you're in the gym, Will, because, like, you always have people, I remember thinking, like, geez, that McFadden will just go and go and go, but if I can be close yeah, to him, yeah, I know yeah. I'm doing well. Yeah. And I used to always have, I used to try and, myself and Redden as well, if he was running, I was saying, geez, if I can keep up with Reds or, you know, I'm, I know I'm fit because then we used to compete really hard in training against each other. It's not as competitive in the local bend on gym and Kim. Yeah. Well, I remember. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but just when we're talking about, I guess, the, you know, the training that you guys are doing, how do you find going between Irish camp and Leinster camp? Because I guess each one demands its own different thing. And it's your, I guess, your first year or two in, going into both. Do you find you have to like be have a different mentality or is there a lot of different preparation for one or the other? Or do you find it quite easy to go between both? Um, uh, yeah, I'd find it. Like I think they're both very similar setups in a lot of ways. Um, obviously, the like some of the differences being, you know, obviously you're staying overnight in Irish camp, so you're kind of away from home more, and and you know sometimes the games with with the national team would be you know bigger in terms of the provincial games. Um, you know, a game like last weekend, for example. So I think you know with the expectations and you know the just the the enormity of some of those games, probably one difference would be kind of your your kind of feelings going into the game. You might be a bit more nervous or a bit more anxious uh, because of because of kind of the as I said the enormity of the games. Um, so I think just being able to manage that mental side of things is is one of the main would, areas. Would you ever read stuff in the build up to a game, or do you like to shut yourself off completely? I like to shut myself off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in terms of as well, because we saw the impact that that um, that Dev had coming off the bench in terms of calling the lineouts, and I always think that's the. Do you know when you have a young ten, it's the kicking part. It takes them a few years yeah. to kind of get the get up to speed with that kind of stuff. Uh, like what's what's the situation there? Like what do you are you are you sitting in with Dev when he's doing all the thinking? Are you or is he kind of leading the lineout stuff as well as obviously Simon um, in, in in Irish camp? Uh, what like like obviously you, you want to get to that point because well, I presume you want to get to that point where you're saying Joe's your or whoever's the coach is saying James our man he's going to be calling the lineout for us you know he's leading that for us. But I presume there's a bit of a journey to go on. Like I feel like the kickers as well have to do the same thing. Uh, with you know, just in terms of being under pressure and delivering there. Yeah. Um, what do you do to try to, to prepare yourself for that? Is it just put you keep keep yourself in the in the vicinity of Dev when, or and Simon when they're making the calls and the decisions for the week? Um, yeah, well, kind of Dev and and Handy and, and Pete, uh, you know, would so would would kind of discuss the kind of the options going into a game and <coughs> um, you know, Dev's a great line that caller. Hmm. He's somebody that. What does it take to be a great lineup caller in your eyes, um, in your mind even? Dev's somebody that doesn't get flustered very much. So I, I think, you know, if you've got a, a lineup that you need to win in the five metre 
helps when you're the six last, foot eleven, man. Yeah. Throw to me. <laughs> the, the last play of the game, you know, yeah. like I, you'd trust him to make the, the right call because yeah. he's he's very cool. He rarely, rarely kind of loses the head, you know. Um, seems like you have to be a smart enough guy. Paul Paul O'Connor, very smart and, guy. And Dev, any very bright guy. He's a good caller too. Um, yeah. So yeah, I'm kind of learning loads off him, but I think yeah, you need that you need that experience, um, mm -hmm. you know, of of calling in a game, and and I, I don't think I've had any experience in calling in a game, but kind of that exposure of you know making a bad decision and you know learning from that. Um, mm -hmm. But as I said, you know that experience kind of, of in in a game was the main thing. Yeah. And do you push for that? Like, so say with, like, I presume Leo as well. If you, I mean, you must have a very close relationship with Leo, given yeah, your positions yeah. and that. I know he obviously has to distance himself to a certain extent from some of the players when you're making the decisions on who's going to be in the team, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but without getting too far ahead of ourselves, it looks like you're fairly settled in the team at the moment anyway. I know there's lots of you know, lots of guys coming up behind you, your Ross Maloney's and these guys who are providing good, great competition and that. But at the moment, you look like you're probably the, you know, the number one choice there at the moment uh, and, and a bit of a mainstay, definitely. Um, so I think I presume Leo is kind of in your ear a lot and you have to be a bit closer to Leo and, and create a good relationship there yeah, and he yeah. was such a great caller you know from what I heard from, from the guys mm. um, I mean what, what do you say to Leo because like, I presume you're going to have to try and say well look Leo I need to improve this as you say I need to be in a big game and possibly make a bad decision to really get really good at this um, like what have you have you broached that with him at all have you said do you, do you say those kind of do you have those conversations with, with guys yeah yeah it's it's been able to call it something I, I, I definitely like to add to my game because mm -hmm. um, you're I, definitely capable of it like, yeah, you know, yeah, no, yeah. Do you obviously believe that in yourself of I course. do yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. Um, you know obviously playing with Dev so much um, it, it's it's a real strength of his game so mm -hmm. um, the opportunities to kind of to be in that position w wouldn't um, kind of come up as much because of that, um, you know. But I, I have spoken to him about it, and uh, you know, I think um, I, I will get a few opportunities at, at some point in the season to 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 call. Yeah. And after a fantastic twenty eighteen, oh, sorry, I almost broke the mic. <laughs> after a fantastic twenty eighteen, obviously, there's like a lot of people looking forward to twenty nineteen. What that brings, a potential World Cup that you obviously hope to be involved in. It would be your first World Cup. Like, how how much of an excitement is that on the horizon? Looking forward. Yeah, it is. Yeah, um, a lot of excitement. Um, to be honest, uh, but sort of still uh, um, kind of coming off the back of the last few weeks, I've kind of loved all that, and and you know we've got. I know it's the boring answer, but we've got some big games coming up in December with, with Leinster, kind of away a to Bath, and then and then home in the Aviva. So um, yeah, there's so much, and then we've got a Six Nations. That, so you know I got to be playing well to get, get selected for that too. Mm. So. Um, you know, whilst it might let seem like it's not far away, there there is a lot of rugby to be played before then. Yeah, so much can happen between then and now. Do you know? True, and it's funny we had Keen Healy in two weeks ago, and we asked him how he dealt with the success he had had because he had similar success to yourself at the same age, and he said he went wild. He said he was like <laughs> crystal like every. Day. I mean, like, he's just a, like he's just one of the like honestly, as I said at the time, there is no one. In the world, like that guy, I'm. I, I just know that. I know yeah. that. I know I'm, there's like I'm personality not types. The same answer like... from James, to be fair. Uh, <laughs> but how how how, 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 how would you say that you've yeah. dealt with the yeah. success you've had of the last year? Um, how would I've dealt with it? It's kind of. You know, obviously, you know, he's not going to say he lost a run himself. No, he's like settled I'm now. Just he's curious like, <laughs> to see what he's. What but like, I mean, of course, like your friends and all that. So like, obviously, things change for you. Like, I was yeah. in the same position as you. Things do change for you, you know. But amongst your friends, if you, I think if you have really good friends and really tight unit, yeah. like, I'm sure you have. Yeah, yeah. They're just going to slag you. 
Like yeah, exactly, oh, it was great. Yeah. Like honestly, I remember I remember Zebo getting picked ahead of me in the World Cup in 2015, and all the lads were on the piss, and they they sent me this video of them singing Zebo Zebo, and I gave it. The, but that's what kept you on the ground. They were yeah, like yeah. that my whole career. They're just abusing you. But well, that's more kicking you when you're down. Than <laughs> no, no, no. It was all love. Yeah. But like no, the, the thing is, like I presume your friends are great at that. I mean, yeah, you must are, have a yeah. tight knit unit. You, know, you look like you're yeah, still yeah. friendly with all your school friends. Yeah. My, of course, yeah, they're my mates. Brothers, dad, everyone fairly keep you fairly grounded. They no? do, yeah. My mates kind of they go actually everywhere as well. Like, like they're over in the US for my first cap. They're over in France last year, the Six Nations. They're they're at all the home games, um, and it kind of makes those days like as you as you know yourself so much better. Like, ah, uh, yeah, like unbelievable coming in after yeah. a win and. I mean, it wouldn't be half as good if we weren't able to share with you. <laughs> we weren't able to share it with like your family and your best mates, you know, and yeah, yeah, yeah. a few points with them. Um, so yeah, they're you know I've definitely got a very close knit uh, group of mates. Uh, and uh, well, we were no talking about it before grander. we came on though. Like it is, it's it is when your mates are there as well. Like the team, yeah, it's like it's unbelievable. Like and you're with the team, yeah. but if you have the added little bit of your family there yeah, yeah, yeah. and your 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 pals, like I remember after in 2009, one of my mates coming on, we were just saying there before we came on. Like so, one of my pals was on the pitch with us in 2009 in Murrayfield. He literally had escaped through like uh, and like he was one of my closest friends. And it was the funniest thing. I remember looking around. I was like, "Jesus, that's." What, well, I'm <laughs> not going to say his name. But like, it was unbelievable, you know. And he was uh, there. Was well, like as well. There was, uh, you know, the, like even afterwards. I remember when the lads were running naked down uh, down the what? street in Edinburgh. <laughs> he did a street out of the car. So they were in the car. They're all driving back. They're driven over to Edinburgh for the night. <laughs> And this fellow who shall remain nameless as well uh, used to play in the rugby team in Black Rock. He was second row with Wild Man. Remain uh, nameless. Uh, he just but he basically Could be one yeah, of two yeah. people, <laughs> and they'll definitely know who it was. But uh, he's an absolute Wild Man. But they were stopped the traffic anyway. He's obviously he had a big night the night before, but they like the traffic was just about to move, and he literally ran across like through Edinburgh town, like still Starkers. It was one of the <laughs> honestly, it was it was just great times. Which like yeah, yeah, we're still I, laughing. I, 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 just I, say. Similar, I had a similar experience. Did it? Or, one of my mates had a similar experience um, <laughs> after uh, after Twickenham. Oh, really? Uh, <laughs> he, he'll, he'll remain nameless too, but uh, no, he made a, <laughs> a good show of himself. Yeah, but it's important. In a good way, though. Yeah, but way. they're great. Like yeah. they're, they're special times because, like, as much as I would say to you, like, you know, there's there's great things ahead. Of you. you just don't know. Yeah. You know, and you've had one big injury so far. I had lots of bad luck uh, throughout my career and it ended, you know, prematurely. So you do have to enjoy them, Will. Like, you know, and it's great to hear that you are enjoying it yeah, because I, I think when I started off, I probably didn't do it enough. Um, and I and I kind of, I, I regret that a little bit to a certain extent because there are special times, you know, there's, yeah, there's yeah. so much of your life that, you know, all things going well, that you can't play, you know, you can't play sports at a, at a, at a top level or an elite level. Uh, so you have to make the most. It's great to hear you're doing that. But mm. as well, talk to us a little bit about the, I suppose, home and, and, and like, again, all the all the Ryans, they were, like, there's some, re like, obviously some very tidy rugby players. One of your brothers obviously very unlucky with injury, but, yeah. um, you know, your, your dad is obviously a great rugby player as well. Uh, what was the nurture like from home? Was it very competitive at home with, with, with all of you there? Um. Oh. I wouldn't say it was we we weren't really competitive with each other. We just we all talked to rugby from a very young age, and <clears throat> like some guys, like yourself, you played a lot of GA and stuff, did you? Yeah, yeah, Maybe yeah. Some guys play a lot of GA or football growing up, and <coughs> that's and that's great. But for us, it was kind of just rugby from a <laughs> from a very young age. I don't know whether that's a good thing or, or a bad thing, but we just talked to it like a duck in water, and uh, we played our mini rugby with Lansing, and then and then obviously with Michaels. Um, 
and the three of us were, were pretty good players when we were younger. Um, and obviously, my dad was was a big rugby man. Played with Lansdowne. But they won the double in '86 with Euro. Still got all about it. Yeah, 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 still got all about the same. Yeah, um, <laughs> that Lansdowne team, I tell you, that, yeah, the, Jesus, yeah. that would have shut up. So yeah, Lansdowne. We, we, we were a big rugby family. Uh, yeah. In fairness. Yeah. And you have an identical twin brother. Is he the same size as you? He's a non-identical, actually. Oh, non-identical. Um, he's not the same size as me, but he's pretty tall. He's, he's six four and a half. Um, so yeah, he 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 was a very good rugby player. Um, but he was destroyed with injuries. Did cruciate twice, fibula, collarbones, the whole lot. You name it. So, um, uh, yeah. So that's kind of. Do you kind of like party? Of what drives you is it to kind of when your brother can't play because of injury does it drive you to want to kind of have success for the both of you? Um, I think what drives you the most is is kind of like being able to, as I said, if you you know coming off the back of a win like on Saturday or or some of the success success that we had last year, you know if you weren't able to share that with your family and your best mates, it wouldn't be half as good, you know. Um, that would probably be the biggest driver of it all, you know, having those moments after a game with your, with your old man or your parents or your brother or your mates. Um, yeah, that's certainly that kind of certainly something that would drive you on. I think, yeah. And have you any personal goals uh, in terms of? Because I think you know, if you keep going the way you're going, there's there's you know, personal. No, look, it's not about personal accolades. But I'm just saying, do you ever do you have any personal goals about trying to be the best lock in the world or? Anything like that, I always had some of those kind of goals myself. I, you know, it didn't obviously transpire for me, but um, as I always say, it's great to have that that end goal or that 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 goal at the top of the tree. That's kind of aspirational. Uh, it doesn't yeah. have to be. Doesn't always have to seem realistic. I feel like it actually is realistic for you. I uh, don't mind saying that to you. Um, and not to get a big head, I don't think you would ever. But like, have you anything like that written down? Have you anything that you say? Do you know what? I'd love to be say like Johnny Sexton now at the moment is in that top five. You know, rugby players in the world. You see Brody Retallick there. Um, and now you know you played against them that you can compete with them um, and that you're definitely well able for it. Uh, anything like that? Any any personal stuff that you'd love to be kind yeah. of ticking off? Yeah, you do? Yeah, well, of course, I'd love to be up there with the best in the world. Uh, I think most most guys would. Um, but I, I don't think of it like I want to be like this or that. I, like I think of it like, you know, what does my game need to improve? You know, we talked about, you know, line out calling being, you know, one, one part that I'd, I'd like to bring on and I think if you get all those little bits right then all that will look after itself in a way um, but yeah definitely it's you know I definitely want to get better and I think I, I can be better too Oh delighted you've given us so much of your time I just have one last question for you it's such a spectacular year so far and there's still some big matches you said left this year even but if you had to pick one moment if I had to make you choose out of all you've achieved this year what's the one moment that sticks out the most? <sighs> it's still fun Um The one moment I I I just can't pick between a few. Too many. Yeah, like. <laughs> do you view it as a journey? Is that I what do, you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not thinking like a moment. I always I was a bit like that myself. I always actually felt they were kind of. It was weird. My career I always felt like they were kind of. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, you know, when you have this massive big. You, you, you're chasing this goal all the time. It was kind of a bit like when you actually got it. It was a bit. I felt like oh, what's the next thing? I didn't really. Um, you're kind of word for always, it. I can't think of it now. I'm losing yeah, my mind. You're obviously. always thinking of the next thing, but uh, they're great moments. But yeah, like I are. kind of was like, what's the, the, I'm kind of next. Like the day after, I was like, I well, you know, I'm sweating out the, the yeah. booze, and I'm saying like, what's the next thing I can do? You know? Yeah, that's. I think you need to enjoy them, like those mm. moments, you know. Mm. But like, Bill Bow was unbelievable. Um, or the great forty at the final was, whistle. Bill Bow shows how much it meant to you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 
That was a shaggy moment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was class. And obviously Twickenham was on rail and, and so was Saturday. So I just, I don't think I could pick one, but I've been lucky enough to have had a few the last year now, in fairness. And can I ask you, sorry, I, I know we're, we're trying to wrap it up. We've kept you ages and thanks a million for, right. for, for coming on and being so generous with your time. But just in terms of the year ahead, and, and I think we were, like Will was asking me before about, you know, getting ahead of ourselves. Um, I think the expectations there, I think that the, the quality is there for us to deliver consistently, but I do think there's a next match match kind of focus within the team. I think you could hear Kane Healy saying it last week as well. It's definitely the message, but do you feel like that's it, it's all within our grasp? You know, do you think that we, we could achieve those things, but that, you know, we, we can deliver the consistency and, and, and we, we know we can do the ones off, the big ones. Um, what, what, like, do you feel like it's all within our grasp if we perform to our potential that we can... You know, we could, we could go on and, and win everything that, that's that's in front of us. Um, with Leicester or Ireland? Or both. Both, yeah. Consistency is definitely a big thing. We spoke about it at Leinster um, kind of the past few months. You know, we saw some of the results we had last year in Bilbao, unbelievable. Uh, then obviously winning the Pro 14. But then, you know, we had a lot of games where we kind of let ourselves down. Obviously, Connacht in the sports ground, went away to Ospreys. So consistency has been kind of a, an area for us this year. We've we've targeted, you know, it's easy to get yourself up for a game in the Aviva at Christmas, but you know, being able to, to deliver that same performance, you know, in a, in a Pro 14 game or whatever. Um, so it's we're, we're definitely looking at being successful this year with Leinster again, and I think if we get our our stuff right and you know we're we're on our game, um, you know, we're definitely up there. Um, and honestly, I think the same would be would be true with Ireland. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. Well, I can't wait. I can't wait to watch this year. I mean, it's just so exciting to see the team doing so well. James, thanks a million for coming in from myself and Will and Gav over thanks there so as well. Time. We really appreciate it. We're all just so excited for the year ahead and uh, best luck for the rest of the season. That is, you know, very, very exciting. Looking forward to watching you. Thanks, lads. Cheers. Thanks, James. That's all we have time for on this week's podcast. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back a little later this week with a bumper preview of the Ireland versus USA Eagles game. And me and Luke will be joined in studio by none other than USA head coach Gary Gold and USA attack coach Greg McWilliams, a former St. Michael's College head coach and a Dubliner to boot. So until next time, thank you so much for listening and goodbye.